This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 297, What It's Like to Give Out 500 Death Benefits with Andrew Young. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. You've got us right in the middle of our mini-series on leaving a legacy and the importance of preparing our family for the money, not just preparing the money for our family. Now, I thought it would be helpful to have another Bank on Yourself professional join me for this episode. And while I've had the great honor and privilege of delivering large death benefits to surviving family members of several clients throughout my years, as a certified financial planner and as a bank on yourself professional, I was shocked when I was chatting the other day casually with my guest, and he mentioned that he had delivered over 500 death benefits over his 25-year career. Uh, I'm not even close to that, and I hope for my client's sake, I won't be for a very long time. Even so, think about that for a minute. What would it be like to have a conversation with a surviving spouse who is in the middle of mourning and to hand her or him a check that could change their financial future. The mourning and sadness does not go away, but it can make a person just a little happier on a very sad day. In this episode, we'll be talking about best practices for working with your family to leave them the gift you want, as well as some examples of exactly what not to do when trying to leave an inheritance to your family. Andrew Young is our guest today. And he'll be sharing some of his stories and experiences from meeting with his clients and helping to pass on wealth to the next generation. Andrew Young has been a financial advisor for almost 25 years, the last seven of which as the director of recruiting for Bank on Yourself. He's worked with individuals and business owners on retirement planning, succession planning, and estate preservation. He's been married to his wife, Maureen, for over 35 years, and they have two children together. His daughter, who was just hired by the Baltimore Orioles as an athletic trainer, and his son, who's a junior in high school, is in between powerlifting and trying to determine where he's going to college. In Andrew's spare time, he and his wife also love to sail. So there's a lot of ground that we cover in our episode today. I think a lot of practical wisdom that will come from it. So listen carefully to what Andrew has to share. Take it away, Andrew Young. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Let me first thank you for inviting me to do the podcast. My pleasure, man. Glad to have you on. Now, when you and I were just talking casually the other day, you just sort of dropped the fact that you've helped deliver 500 or more death benefit claims to clients. Okay, yes. that's that's mind-boggling to me. So you have to tell us how that happened. Tell us what that's like. 
Well, I'm the director of recruiting and um, also member success coach with Bank on Yourself. When I first started with the insurance company, my first one, um, I was given a bunch of people, their average age was 85 years old. Okay, so, so the insurance company said, hey, we need some help managing our existing client base. And this particular client base happened to be just 85 years old. And you, know, you were handed that as sort of your starter, starter right. conversations. Okay. So obviously you do the math. My goal is really to help individuals or actually my clients to accomplish what they want to do, but also take care of what they, their final wishes are and get those executed how they want it. One thing I highly recommend to all the people here is keep your beneficiaries up to date. And the reason I say that, I'll give you a couple of examples. I had a client who went through a divorce. It was a messy divorce, an expensive divorce. He later remarried, but didn't get around to changing his beneficiary. And so <laughs> what ended up happening when he passed away, his ex-wife received a nice $500,000 tax-free unexpected surprise. Wow. And his surviving spouse didn't receive anything. You know, oh, man. Wow. Wasn't real happy. Uh, another example was more along of a modern uh, family. This was a, a second marriage. The good thing was he actually did change his beneficiary to his second wife. His intention was for the funds uh, to be split equally between all the kids, not only his, but hers as well. Well, she received all the money. And then after his death, she decided, you know what? Not all the kids deserve equally. So she changed that. And again, his wishes weren't followed. I have a personal example that really affected me because it was with my parents and they, a document that was not updated. My parents created a, a trust before I was 18 years old, which was supposed to be updated when I uh, became 18 and that would be able to sign. Somehow that was overlooked. Years later, when my father passed away, uh, the trust was going to effect. Everything that uh, was going to my mother and she would be in charge of all the affairs. But if she couldn't, there was actually a, a way for the trust to move over and say, that will be taken care of for you. And that contingency was for me to take over. However, that one line should have had my name on it, didn't have one. So <laughs> what ended up happening was him. I'm going to spare you most of the, the gory details, but she had dementia. So I had to actually have her uh, declared incompetent so I could be her conservator. Then I had to go through all the uh, itemized details of all the assets, et cetera, et cetera. And about a little over $5,000 later, and a lot of my personal uh, time away from the office, I became the trustee of the estate. So if only I knew there was a trust document, and if only I had signed it, that would have been zero out-of-pocket costs and a lot of wasted time eliminated. You've probably seen themes where families do the wrong thing. What are some common elements or themes that you can teach us? 
you mentioned make sure your beneficiaries are updated. Mm -hmm. um, what about preparing the beneficiaries? What sort of things can I be doing? Can we all be doing to make sure that our beneficiaries know about this? Should we tell our beneficiaries that they're going to get this money? Is that a little bit presumptuous? Are they going to start, you know, poisoning the, the, the gravy at Thanksgiving? What, what do you recommend? I'm glad you asked. Um, I, I recommend anytime you may take steps to take care of your family's future, you include the family, especially if they're adult children. I have some of my clients that actually have an annual meeting, uh, maybe at Thanksgiving or Christmas time, and say, here's what's going on. And if something changed, or if they have something that needs to be signed by one of their kids, then they can have that done instead of after the fact. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can tell you, it was not a fun situation that I went through. But one thing I, I would highly recommend is to make sure that you reach out to your financial advisor, have them review your beneficiary documents to ensure that they are going to be what you want them to be. And it's very simple for your financial advisor to do that. Uh, no, I, I could be a lot of negatives there, but I do have some positives. Oh, I had a client, uh, they were struggling to pay the premium. So they called me up and wanted cash in their policy. I went over to review the situation with them to see, you know, what else we could do. And I, when I got there, I knew that it would be very detrimental to the family if I let them do that. And the reason that I, I say that is because I got into the house and in the room right behind where we were sitting, the person who was insured on the life insurance policy was in a hospice bed and had less than a month to live. Okay. So just to set the stage again, you're saying that this person called you up and said they wanted to cash in the policy. That would mean they'd get a check for the cash value Yeah, if it, if it was a cash value life insurance policy, but they would not have a death benefit if that person should pass away. Is that correct? You're right on. Okay. And so now you walk into their room and- of the amount that they would have had. Okay. So the cash value is much smaller for most situations. It'll always be smaller than the death benefit, no matter when this is happening. But it sounds like it was one fifth as much money uh, if they had cashed out the policy. And so you walk into their house and you see this person on a hospice bed in the room next to where you're meeting. Yes. Wow. Well, okay. So what was it like having that conversation uh, with your well, client? Well, uh, flat outs, starting with the word, no, you can't do this. We got to figure out a way to, to do this. Uh, and so we were able to restructure the payment. So it went from an annual, which was a much larger amount, to a monthly. Mm. Just by changing that one thing made a huge difference with that family because he did pass away a month later. Now, there was enough money to not only pay for his funeral, but when his wife, three months later, ended up needing nursing care. She went into a nursing facility for over three years. That covered all of that. Mm. So it's, it, it was just night and day. What could have happened if we didn't talk to them? And just, okay, go ahead and do it. And without a bank on yourself professional like yourself, to sit down and talk with this person, they would have just gone online, clicked a few buttons and cashed in their policy, none the wiser that they could have had the option to switch from annual premium to monthly, 
Maybe they wouldn't have understood that they had, were in exactly. the process of losing a giant gift uh, that uh, was going to be paid to the family only a month later. So well done. Yeah, that's that's great. So the importance of having a professional in your corner who's going to talk straight to you and not, you know, within reason, not allow you to do something that's going to make the whole plan fail, right? Well, I, I think that's the first time I flat out told somebody, no, you can't do this. <laughs> You know, if yeah, they yeah. want to do something, unless there's, and this was a great example where are you out of your mind? Yeah. This, this is the wrong thing to do. Wow. Another, and this is, this was a real, well, I want to say fun situation for me. I had, it's a story about an 85 year old business owner. His name is Ron. Now, before he started his business, he had bought a small $10,000 life insurance policy back in the 1950s. And the entire purpose of that policy was to get his wife a funeral because she had had cancer at a very young age, could not get life insurance. And he focused entirely on, I don't need the life insurance. I want it on her. And actually, it was the cash value he was going to be using. And this was his thought process because it was a small policy that he was going to use part of that to pay for the funeral. And then he'd make up the difference um, when they actually him. So he calls me up and he says, I want to know why I'm still paying $1,100 a year for my $10,000 whole life policy. Well, those just don't match when I heard that. And so. Uh, now, why, why is that? For those that might not understand, why is it that? Those numbers well, don't match. If you think about it, in 1950, roughing the numbers, um, if you're paying $1,100 a year and you have a $10,000 life insurance policy, look at 1100 You do that 10 years, you already paid out $11,000. Right. So you're saying, hey, this death benefit is smaller than the total amount he's paid in. And the very nature of life insurance is to leave your family more than you've paid in premium when you pass away. Oh, okay. yes. Got it. Okay. Good. Good. So, All right. Um, and I, I had known the family um, for uh, like, uh, a few years at that point in time. And when the, Ron called me up, I knew there was some issues. I talked to his son. Yeah, he had dementia. And so I asked his son, who was actually in charge of the business now, to be there during the conversation. And so... I went through the presentation and said, okay, I just want you to know that you no longer have a $10,000 policy. They looked at me, what do you mean? I said, you have a $110,000 policy. You have over $100,000 of cash value in your policy. So if, you, if something happens, he was still focused on taking care of his wife. I said, not a problem. You have $100,000 to work with. Call me up. When something happens, we'll take care of it. Uh, in addition to that, that $1,100 a year was producing a dividend, which means it was growing every year by another $5,000. Wow. Every $1,100 he put in, he got $5,000. Say that again. Say, okay, so he puts in $1,100. I'm imagining a, a money printing machine in his living room that if he puts in $1,100, it spits out five thousand dollars, and there's not in in essence that's what's happening to the cash value. Is that what I hear yes, you saying? Absolutely. Wow. And and on top of that, he may have one of those. He had two of them. Oh, two so, policies. 
Okay. He had two identical policies. Wow. Uh, and I'm like, this was just unbelievable. The son's sitting there going, are you kidding me? I said, no, but that's okay. I'll make it so you don't have to make any more payments. <laughs> if you don't want to pay that $1,100, we can use those $5,000 to pay it off. Wait, wait a minute. So if, if you're telling me I can find a money printing machine that's got $1,100 going in and five grand coming out, I'll find any way I legally can to keep funding that policy. <laughs> But, but again, you're talking with yeah, some you're talking to someone who's elderly. Yeah. He he did not want to make that payment. Okay, not that he couldn't afford it, things like that. He just was, and people are there's some people like that. If I was talking to someone and saying, hey, the best thing is you're going to get more out of it, it's going to continue to grow. What ended up happening was about six months later, his wife did pass away. The son called me up, and within two days, they had the money they needed for the funeral. Uh, it, and it was a beautiful funeral. Within two days. Within two days. So that's a big note. So uh, it's not always that fast, I assume. But just for those curious, when, when someone does pass away, uh, what is the typical turnaround time for the life insurance company to pay out these large checks? It normally is about on the long side, five to seven days. That, that's wow. on the, the long side. Wow. So um, for me, again, it's when you have a dividend pay life policy, like the ones we have at Bank on Yourself, you have access to that money if it's Amazing. an emergency, especially Amazing. like a situation. Basically, what ended up happening with the, the whole story, about three months after she passed away, he then passed away. There were seven kids in the family, and most of them lived near me. And, the, and I say the kids... The kids are my age or older, but they just said, hey, they couldn't thank me. And I said, I didn't do it. I wasn't around in the 1950s when he bought this. Mm. You, you should be thanking your dad that, that he had the foresight to do this. One thing that's different about this industry in general is with a pen, you can change not only your life, your family's life, but generations. Of family. Mm -hmm. The real thing that I want to focus on is making sure that what you want to do gets done. Uh, there, there was another situation that I ran into. Um, another family I'd been working with for a number of years. I, I remember it very well because it was on a Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon and they didn't show up till about two 30 for them not to be there on time was, was not normal or they would have called me they would do something and so they showed up at 2 30 when they got out of the car both of them looked white as dust so my first question was okay what's wrong what's going on linda says that uh, john was just diagnosed with cancer mm -hmm. throughout his entire body he has two to four months to live wow i said okay we're I'm changing my hat and here's what we're going to do we're going to sit down and make sure we have everything in place so that when he does pass away, he's not here to help make decisions with you, then you'll be taken care of. And I made sure that was all put in place. He actually did get it right in the middle. It was two to four months. He died at three months. At the wake, when I went into the wake, she waved her hand to me. And she said, you're sitting right here with the family. Wow. 
awe. And every time I say this, I get goosebumps too. And you mm. heard me talk about this is the fact that is a privilege that I, I can't even put into words. I had helped all the children in the family uh, with their policies as well over the years. And uh, when mom had stepped away, they said, I want you to know that mom considers you part of the family. And I'm going, this is not helpful. I'm start, <laughs> starting to cry a little bit. It was bit. a hard yeah. enough time as it is. But wow. in that case, it's it's one of those stories that I tell people about. And that is a true blessing of what we do. Uh, the kids, the entire family were on board with what dad wanted to do. They knew of it up front and they helped out. That's one of those situations where everything was done the way the person wanted it to be done. And uh, I felt so good that I was able to help that family. Andrew, that's a great story. And all these are fantastic, valuable, principled, a lot of wisdom in the stories you're sharing. You've seen the best and the worst of what happens. I have seen it too, but man, you've seen some people doing it right and some people doing it wrong. I've met families who were ripped apart because oh, yes. uh, they got the money and they didn't have a plan for it. Uh, I've seen families come closer together, like it sounds like with some of your families that you mentioned there. So what can we do? What can we do to you know receive this money well if you're going to be a beneficiary? What can we do to give it well if you happen to be the one graduating uh, up to the other side of heaven? Uh, what can we do? What are some takeaways or tips we can have at the end of this episode? Well, if nothing else, I, I saw this probably 10 years ago, and I would recommend that you have a place for your usernames and passwords. A lot of people don't think about this, but if something were to happen to you and or your spouse, it is so much easier to take care of immediate finances if the survivors are able to access your information. Put that right with your life insurance policy, something like that. I know that's something that has to be updated, but it, it's the type of thing that makes it so much easier for the survivors. They got enough grief going on. Try getting a passport to a bank. Yeah, they're not going to give it to you. And it it's short of getting the death certificate and proof of all types of other things before you get any access to that. Now, Something that I, I've actually personally done myself is gone ahead and if I found a favorite poem, a song, or a Bible verse, I actually put that aside and put it next to my life insurance policy so that when I do have a funeral, because there's a 100% chance I'm going to die, but it's something that is one less thing that the family has to think about. So what was Mark's favorite thing when he died? Grief is there. Take things away from the, those people. Mm. Just like uh, something that we haven't talked about at all, the um, medical directive. One thing that I, goes along with that is the patient advocate. If you do not want to be resuscitated, make sure that that's documented so mm -hmm. that your kids or your family don't have to make that decision for you. Those are great. And in fact, some of the insurance companies that we work with even partner up with legal teams to write those documents for free for you. Uh, and so if you want to learn more about that, reach out to me and we can help schedule a time to go over that with you and make sure that those documents are set up, the healthcare power of attorney. 
the financial power of attorney. Uh, a will, a simple will can go a long way to taking the burden off of the surviving family. That's a great, great tip there, Andrew. Thank you. You do know that everybody has a will. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell us now, what, how so, how so. If they don't have a will, the, the government will make sure that they determine what you get to keep and what you don't. You do Whether have you will or the government will. Yes. Mm, yeah. I, I hope this has been uh, helpful to your podcasters. Oh, 100%, uh, man. Yeah, this is, you know, I think, honestly, it's something that folks ask me all the time. It's something, as you say, no one wants to think about, but it's ultimately something that either you're going to have to think about it for five minutes, 10 minutes, or your family's going to have to deal with it for months. Uh, and so give them this gift to think about this, do something about this for, it takes a no more than an afternoon to change all of your paperwork and get all this stuff done. And you're saving your family countless months, legal bills. Andrew, you, you said $5,000 in several months for your side. So, uh, and, and uh, you are a professional in this. It's just one little piece of paper that your family didn't show you. You know, it, it just goes to show that there are so many um, trip ups and yeah. even when we're trying to do it right, uh, you know, it's just important to have a, a family gathering, have a conversation, meet with a professional who's on your side of the table, like Andrew, uh, or like any one of the Bank on Yourself professionals that you get to help train and work with, Andrew. Uh, we're here to help change not just a person's financial future, but their entire financial family tree. Uh, and generational wealth is sort of embedded in the whole concept of life insurance. And so, you know, I, I was looking over our episode list and I thought, well, you know what? There's really not a whole lot that we talk about on the most important part of this contract, which is the death benefit, the gift that we can leave our, our future world, whatever, whether family or charity. Andrew, thank, thank you very much. Well, thank you and for thank you me. for coming on and taking some time. You've, you've hopefully saved a lot of people, a lot of heartache because of what you've shared today. So thank you for your advice and wisdom. And thanks for coming on the show. Okay. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Andrew, for a great episode, for very practical insights and wisdom on exactly what we can do to make sure that we are setting our family up to succeed, even if we're not around to see it happen. I want to wrap this episode up with a poem from Earl Nightingale. Now, many of you might have heard of the name Earl Nightingale, and if not, check him out. He's got some great stuff. But this poem is called The Greatest Things. I'll just wrap us up with this. The best day is today. The greatest puzzle, life. The best policy, honesty. The greatest thought, God. The greatest mystery, death. The best work, work you like. The greatest mistake, giving up. The most ridiculous asset, pride. The greatest need, common sense. The most dangerous person, a liar. The best advice, use good manners. The wisest shortcut, develop mentors. The greatest fault, to be aware of none. The greatest truth, we reap what we sow. The most expensive indulgence is self-pity. The greatest deceiver is the one who deceives oneself. The best habit is making good on all commitments. The best teacher is the one who brings out of you the best in you. The saddest feeling is the feeling of enviousness toward another person's success. The greatest thing in the world is love, love of family, 
home, friends, associates, company, and country. So that is The Greatest Things by Earl Nightingale. And I want to thank you and thank Andrew for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.